0: Highly recommend consistently engaging and high quality content. Short, sweet, to the point. Also, one of our recent reviews on Apple Podcasts from Rich Feitler. Thank you very much, Rich. And if you, if you're not rich and you listen to this and you like it, consider leaving a review on Apple Podcasts and I'll probably read it off right here at the top of the show. And without further ado, let's get on with it. They say a picture is worth a thousand words. I got a founder here on this episode who makes sure those words are never forgotten on today's Authentic Avenue. Legacy Box, the brand behind the easy all-in-one kit for digitizing your home media. Its co-founder is who you'll learn from in this episode, Nick Mako. Nick's journey to preserve memories not only manifests in the service Legacy Box offers, but also in the way he reflects and operationalizes his principles. Through things like not making his values open to the public, and dealing directly with customers tens of thousands of times. Nick is a case study in making sure your mission isn't just something you frame on the wall. Today, I sit down with Nick and create some new digital memories. So strike a pose and enjoy as I get real with Legacy Box and Nick Mako. Now, I've been told when I was growing up, my mother was a big fan of taking pictures and videos of her son. I believe this happens uh, this happened daily and ended up in the hundreds or thousands of images and videos. That's probably all in a box somewhere, which means I probably need Nick Mako from Legacy Box to help me out. I've got him here on the show to talk a little bit about his story. Nick, how you doing?
1: I'm doing good. Thank you, Adam, for having me.
0: Uh, that is very much a true story, and uh, I I'd bet I'd have to make several hauls down to you, maybe personally in Tennessee, to help me out with this. But before I do, why don't you tell me the founding story behind Legacy Box?
1: Sure. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, legacy box started my co-founder Adam and I in college about 10 years ago, uh, starting in a college garage off campus house. Uh, he noticed his life story, his family, uh, did the same kind of prolific documenting of his childhood. Uh, and he needed to get those digitized cause they were on old formats that you, you know, you were no longer able to watch or they were aging, uh, and, and needed to be updated. And so, uh, We started doing that for family and friends and then quickly realized, hey, there's a whole uh, slew of people across the country and across the world that have the same problem. And and we were off to the races.
0: So anybody can do this, right? I mean, this is for uh, photos and videos. You're you're basically putting them into uh, digital files so people can have them forever. I think it's a really great thing. How the heck was nobody doing this before you? (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, when we entered the market, um, there was people doing this on a local level, uh, sort of mom and pop kind of cottage industry kind of thing. Um, and, and we really approached it direct to consumer online. We were both tech nerds. We both love computers and the internet. My background was in graphic design and web design. Um, and so we approached the market a little bit differently. And we said, let's do it as a mail-in service. We can have a broader reach um, and we can you know provide everybody uh, all the things they need to safely pack it up and send it in to us. um and so I think what was sort of unique is how we approached the market um, and marketed ourselves broadly to the entire country uh, really from day one that's the that's the first thing we did is we we never really had a storefront, if you will. It was you know the earliest days of e-commerce is how we've grown the company. and I think that's how we've been able to solidify ourselves as a leader on this uh, nationally um, because we've taken which is which is traditionally a niche um, and and really, really hit a broad market with it.
0: Well, and sounds like it's going pretty well so far, growing well, though with that, I understand that there is building the brand outside of that latent demand to digitize memories. And so to briefly uh, jump to uh, this definition of authenticity, instead of doing that this time, I want to hear the story about these uh, silent but very much present Value statements that you created and let play out. I typically ask people how they reflect authenticity through values they stand for. It's my understanding that you had those and didn't necessarily make them publicly known, and then looked back and saw how you reflected without being open about it. Can you tell me about this or, or
1: clarify that for me? Well, I think what's interesting is we we actually never never articulated our our values as a company uh, until we really saw a need we were, we were getting so big and we were adding all these people and they really had no concept of who we were where we came from what we were all about um and so and so we were like wow we really need to have these articulated somewhere and when we went through the process of trying to define what these values were we really drew on some of the earliest startup experiences that we had some of the earliest crossroads that we faced as young founders and we thought, what do we do in that situation? You know, what was our guiding principle when we encountered this situation or that situation? Um, and so we came up with a list of, of values um, from a lot of these formative stories uh, where we were faced with a decision and we made a certain choice. Um, and, and then we articulated those on a piece of paper. As a leadership team, we brainstormed them all, and we really asked ourselves, "What are, what is actually most important to us as an organization? And then, yeah, we just we just lived with them. We didn't tell anybody about them. We didn't tell our managers about them or our team members. Uh, we just lived with them to, to really scrutinize whether or not these really were the basis for our decision-making, because I thought the, the worst thing I could do is sort of publish false value statements. I just thought that could be the worst, most detrimental thing for the culture of the company. It's sort of like that goofy perseverance poster that that everybody has or whatever. Right. Sure. Um, I I didn't want to do that. I didn't want to post something that people roll their eyes when they walk by. I wanted to post something that everybody goes, yeah, those are deeply held. Those are the real internalized values of this company. Um, They're not just words. So that was the process we went through. Um, There's, there's, you know, six of them. and I guess you know each one has some kind of founding story behind why it is uh, our values.
0: Well, what are they broadly? I mean, is it unless can, can we even make it happen in a podcast like this? I assume so. I would hope so.
1: I, I mean, this is, a, this is yeah. I mean, we could go. There's there's stories for each one of them. I mean, I think one of the one of the, the so the top one. Let me give you that one. Um, right. Ask what's best for the organization, and and what we mean by that is we put the needs of the organization uh, first. Um, and, and that comes from really the earliest days of our company when it was just me and Adam, uh, it was me and Adam. And I literally remember getting our first sales. We got our, we had a PayPal shopping cart on our, on our website. And so we're looking at PayPal and there's like $150 sitting in that account and we were in college. So like theoretically you could say, well, I get, I get half that you get half that, you know, and instead what we thought is, nope, let's treat the company as this separate thing that we're going to nurture. It's not mine, it's not yours, but it's this separate entity, this separate thing that we're going to nurture in and of itself. And so what we should do is defer to whatever's best for the health of that, uh, for that thing. Um, And we made that decision really early before that, before the organization even existed, you know? Um, And so we said, okay, well, what's really best for the organization is not to pay us as founders. Um, It's to leave those funds in there and to grow, uh, grow the funds of the company so that we can do new things and we can grow and um, invest in opportunities. And so we, that actually meant that my wishes as a founder were subordinate to those of the companies and the same with Adam's. Um, and so really we found that that removed ego uh, from a lot of decision making because it wasn't about my wishes, it wasn't about Adam's wishes and consequently as we gotten bigger it's not about any of our leadership team or our managers wishes. Uh, We always defer to, well, what's best for the company at this stage? Uh, How do we best serve the company? And if we do a good job with that, well, then we'll benefit too. So that's one of them.
0: Interesting. So this idea of sort of service to the organization that you founded and to not take any pride or, or, or overly compensate yourself as a way of... Well, I suppose sharing sharing in its success, just like everybody else, it probably gives you a lot more reason to put effort in and make every single interaction with customers extra special. I want to talk about this too, because as I understand it, you dealt with that extremely firsthand, like tens of thousands of times, something like that. Can can you tell me about that as well? Because I think that's another way that you show up authentically, but um, I want you to tell me about it here.
1: Yeah, I mean, so another another value statement. I keep glancing back in the room at, at our values. You printable. just see them on the wall there. Yeah, but uh, but one of them is build relationships, um, and that's I look at it. You know, I look at it as leaders. We have two real constituencies that we serve. We serve our customers, and we serve our employees. Those are the two two groups that that we have to serve. Uh, in the context of a customer, uh, yeah, one of the last things that me and Adam delegated was customer service. So as you're growing. You know, I remember reading this book called The E-Myth, and it suggested you write down all the hats you wear as a founder. And then as you grow, you can start handing off those hats, you know, so I don't sweep the floors anymore or whatever. I don't ship boxes. Um, Well, the last hat that we actually handed off, delegated, was customer support. And and so we talked to the first 10,000 customers, uh, Legacy Box customers personally, which is kind of funny because they'd always go, hey, you're the voice on the you're the voice that I heard on the other thing. And I was like, Oh yeah, that is me. Right. But, but anyway, um, uh, I think what that did is that gave us a lot of empathy for our customers, a lot of empathy for what, what they, what their needs were, what their hesitations were, uh, what they were looking for us to do as a company. How do we, um, serve them? How do we exceed their expectations? Um, and, and they'll tell you when they're not happy. I mean, You know, customers don't hold back. And so uh, it was really valuable to talk to those first 10,000 customers. And I think that helps solidify one of those values, which is build relationships and and build a rapport with them. And actually, to this day, uh, not not a lot of e-commerce companies have a telephone number front and center, uh, but we do. I mean, we still have 28 people seven days a week providing telephone customer service just so that we can talk to customers to help solidify that relationship with them. And a lot of times they just want to talk to somebody and go, hey, you know, I'm concerned about this or I'm, I have a simple question about why. And if we talk to them, it's this amazing touch point um, and helps make their experience even better. So um, anyway, building relationships by, by talking to people, it's a novel, novel idea.
0: Oh, yeah, right. <laughs> never, never thought of that one before. And regardless,
1: yeah. first and secondhand experience,
0: 10,000 times by you. Or many more thousands of times by others, has to have led to you learning of some pretty great stories of people and, and how they've engaged with Legacy Box and preserved their memories forever. Do
1: you have a favorite? Yeah, I mean, there's some good ones. Um, we had actually recently a woman who um she would record her son's uh her son's voice on every birthday from the time he was like two years old all the way through to adulthood. Um she would just talk to him. She'd go, Hey, how old are you? Well, I'm five, you know, oh I'm six. Um, and then she got those digitized and then had them spliced over the mother son dance at his wedding, uh, and it's a clip of it. And so we get this clip of, of a mother son dance at a wedding. And then all of a sudden during the song, you hear the voice of the mother and the son at every age, uh, from childhood up. And there wasn't a dry eye in the place. And really there wasn't a lot of, you know, we played it here for some of our team and, uh, you know, there was there wasn't a dry eye here either. So we get stories like that um, all the time. It's really rewarding to see what people do and how they connect with these really important uh, life moments after they're digitized.
0: Yeah, I'd say, wow, what a cool thing to have that given back to you as probably you know, as kind of like a thank you of guessing, but also just as an endorsement of, of what you're doing as a um, well as a business, but Ooh. also in the relationships that you've built. I mean, I think that, that it seems like these values that you have up on the wall or wherever you're looking at them are a great way to, to operationalize authenticity. And then you get proof of that, whether it be available publicly or not. Now, of course it is, but uh, even when it wasn't, what a great endorsement of that. I wanna actually figure out from you how to do that better. And I'm gonna ask the question on behalf of the people listening into this show. In part, I launched this podcast because I continue to be curious about how to show up as my most authentic self and whether people are looking to do that for their personal brands, so to speak, or their professional brands that they found or that they're a part of, I always take the opportunity to round out these interviews by asking for advice about that search for authenticity or the search for the avenues to operationalize it. It seems like you did that, you had it privately at first, and then you let it manifest outwardly. That process is very interesting. Do you have some advice for our listeners as we close here as to how to craft that or things to keep in mind as you search for those authentic avenues?
1: You know, I think it's a great question. Um, You know, I believe that anything we create inevitably embodies the values that we Personally carry so I mean that could be a designer that's making a chair uh, To a craftsman building a home to an entrepreneur that's building a brand or a company that company will reflect them good good or bad (laughs) and I think um, Taking seriously that responsibility as an entrepreneur is probably the first step to ensuring that your organization remains authentic Um, And so I think that means as a, as a founder, that means being aware of what your guiding principles are as a, as a human being. Um, And then asking, how are you, um, how are you implementing those and being true to those throughout your organization? And then, and then maybe what are your blind spots? You know, I have a co-founder, so I'm fortunate. We can balance each other out um, and we can help to, uh, we can help to make each other aware of, of the areas where we might be inauthentic or, or might embody something that we wouldn't want um, sort of manifest, if you will, in the organization. Um, So anyway, I think that starts with the top, you know, the best companies I've seen start with a founder who truly has a strong, uh, strong set of principles and convictions by which they're, they're leading the company by, and then the company tends to reflect what those are um, as they're sort of baked in to the rest of the company. So I don't know. I'd say start start at the top, and uh, reflect on what you're all about personally first. Uh, and if you don't know, then that's probably going to be that's probably going to be a problem.
0: Well, listeners, this is what I would say: if you're founding something or in a brand and working jointly with somebody else, take advantage of that opportunity to bounce things off of one another, find those gaps, uh, or just leave yourself open. To, uh, to sense them. And then I think what I've taken from this interview and what you could as well is in the creation of these value statements, perhaps keep them to yourself or keep them to a tight group at first and wait for them to play out. It's possible that what you wrote down works out great. It's also possible that it needs to be refined over time so that when you go out with those statements that you put your stick in the ground, You want to be sure that it's backed up with real-world evidence. It seems that that's what's happened here at Legacy Box, and it's led to some pretty cool things. And listeners, while you may not get a wedding video as thanks for something that you're doing, hopefully you'll build that same relationship with your customers if you do it in the same way that Nick Mako has from Legacy Box. Nick, thank you so much for joining the show.
1: Thank you, Adam. I appreciate being here.
0: I'm thinking now about all those boxes of photos at the house I grew up in. I bet you have some, too. You might consider legacy boxes a way of making sure they stick around for a while. Thanks, Nick. And thanks to you, the listener, for tuning into our podcast today. Be sure to subscribe and leave a review. If you do it on Apple Podcasts, I'll read it here at the top of the show. And you can also find me elsewhere on social media, LinkedIn at Authentic Avenue or just Adam Conner. I'm there personally twitter at authentic Av. i'm also bopping around on tiktok personally that's at authentic adam and by email you can write me directly of course adam at AuthenticAvenueMedia.com, where you can say whatever you please this has been your host adam connor saying until i get real again with you thanks for taking a walk with me down authentic avenue